The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Ah, Beck. Here it is. It's finally arrived. The Venezuela isn't real communism fallacy. You know how it works. You've heard it before. You get into discussion with somebody who believes in socialism, hates capitalism, wants to burn the system down, so on and so on and so on. And they're always furiously passionate. They want you to believe that socialism works, but you say it doesn't. It fails over and over and over again. And as it fails, it becomes more and more strong-armed. And uh, you mentioned the running death toll of roughly nearly 100 million. China, the Soviet Union, Somalia, Mozambique, Romania, Yugoslavia, Vietnam, Cuba, East Germany, and now Venezuela. And then their mask their face reddens into a mask of fury. That's not real socialism. Communism can work. Karl Marx was right. And they shove their plate of gourmet vegan Nepal food aside. They stomp their Birkenstocks and they flee the room. How many times have we heard this before? Well, thanks to late-night activism journalist and activism comedian John Oliver for reminding us that people still believe that socialism can work. This week on his show, he, quote, discussed Venezuela. He wanted to make it clear from the start that Venezuela's status as a communist country has nothing to do with the communist-like symptoms of the current state of devastation. And it has been hard to keep up with events in Venezuela due to the hurricane of that we've all been dealing with here. Although, if you follow conservative media at all, you may have seen it frequently painted as the inevitable dire consequences of a socialist government. Um, yeah, yeah. It's always jarring when it happens. Um, he actually said the words. What is happening in Venezuela is not just extremely important, it is absolutely worth paying attention to, because this is not just a story about socialism. There are plenty of socialist countries that look nothing like Venezuela. It's a story about epic mismanagement. So epic that a nation of 31 million people Mm -hmm. with the largest oil reserves in the world Mm -hmm. have been forced to resort to some pretty creative forms of protest. He then proceeded to detail the corruption that has affected Venezuela, its leaders, the corrupt leaders. Oliver's smug ignorance is a little tiring. You know, I think he's funny, you know, Uh, but he's definitely a leftist. That's fine. But when you are opening, you are openly denying the 100 million dead from the experiments of Marx, I don't know. I just don't find it funny. Once again, left-leaning activism journalist hides behind the guise of comedy. In her book, A Conservative Walks Into a Bar, Alison Dagnes writes, when satire sheds light on a perceived injustice, it also references the justice that should be found instead. So we all see the injustice, but as usual, John Oliver has chosen to fist wave and ask for a revolution, however silly or insecure. What is John Oliver telling his audience to pursue? What, 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 is, what, what, is, what are we supposed to take from that? 
Does he actually believe that communism can work? It's Wednesday, May 16th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. You know, do do they ever stop to think, why is there such colossal mismanagement in country after country after country after country? Because the government has all the power and the people cannot push back. Yeah, and human beings are incapable of managing that system. (laughs) When they talk about there's a lot of successful socialist countries that look nothing like that, they always point to things like Sweden. Well, Sweden is just a capitalist welfare state, right? It's a bad version of capitalism, and there are socialist elements to the system, but it is not a socialist system. And may I also point out that every time they point, they point to countries like Norway or yeah. Sweden, mm-hmm. those are very small countries that up until recently, almost everybody had blonde hair and blue eyes. Right. They were almost all from the, they had the same background, the same belief. Well, it's pretty easy to do that. It's really hard to do it in the most diverse country ever on planet Earth. It's 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 not possible. It's just not possible. Look at what's happening. You you want socialized medicine? Go to the VA. It's working out well. Or is that mismanaged and of corrupt? Course. It's mismanaged and corrupt. Yes. Because every time you have a problem with socialism, you say it's mismanagement or corruption. Yeah, that's what you do. Uh, how about uh, the social security system? Is that doing well, or is that mismanaged and corrupt? And of course, there's real elements of truth right was 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 adolf hitler a good manager no (laughs) he wasn't was joseph stalin a good manager no was mao a good manager no he was corrupt and he was incompetent and he dealt with a lot of mismanagement however it's ingrained in the system that is all you have all of these cases where these people all seem to not be able to figure out the magical formula that makes socialism successful and the reason is because there isn't one you know, what's amazing is they're now saying that, you know, what we need is uh, the combination of socialism and capitalism. Oh, OK. Well, that's called national socialism. Mm. That's what the Nazis did. You know what? We'll let people keep their land. We'll let them keep their factories. I mean, unless the government has to take over those factories, we're just going to let the capitalist system work. But it'll work for the people. Yeah, there, there it is. There's your hybrid. There's your hybrid. The minute you take the people out of it, the minute the government doesn't have to answer, or better yet, doesn't fear the people, it goes corrupt. Every time. Every time. Why is that? Because if we... If we really were better angels, uh, we wouldn't need all of these laws. We wouldn't need checks and balances. We wouldn't need them because we would just plan on our better angels to take care of us and guide us. Where are those better angels? Are those better angels found in government? And I ask the world in any government. Are we all struggling to to model 
one government or one group of people over another? Is there a model anywhere on earth? Is there a leader on earth that you trust? Is there? Is there a group of people that are running a government that you're like, geez, man, I wish, you know, can we just hire them? Can we just get them to come over here and show us? No. Even the, if, and even if they found them, as soon as they got in control, the thing would fall apart. And then they'd say, actually, that was mismanagement. We picked the wrong people. That's what they do every single time. And again, if you've seen any success from countries like China, you've seen it from when they've embraced capitalism. Not the other way around. They don't start as capitalism, embrace socialism, and then find their peak success. What you're seeing is the exact opposite. China was a... Uh, China... They're like, oh, well, China has had some success, and, and they have a communist party. First of all, it's falling away, right? I mean, they're changing that society. And as they have changed, uh, you know, I again... Think technology is going to change them back. It may. Yeah. Uh, but the reason they've had success is uh, because they have embraced elements of capitalism and free trade. Right. Um, and the other side of that, uh, you know, they... Yes, do they have elements of their economy that have grown... You know, manufacturing, for example, they're the number one manufacturing country now. We're uh, we're number two. Um, but is that something to brag about when you have four times the amount of people? Is that something? Are, are, is, are we supposed to be impressed by the fact that you can churn out just slightly more products than us with one quarter of the people? Is that is that what we're supposed to be impressed by that? Is that a success of your system? The, 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 there is not. There are no examples. None. And the reason why you have to keep saying it's mismanagement is because you have no examples to point to. You have a system in, in, in places like Sweden and Finland and Denmark where you can say, okay, that's a relatively stable society. However, it's a stable society where the average person lives in a 700-square-foot apartment. And now, if that's what that you success? want. That's, there's that, nothing wrong with that. If that's what you want, that's fine. Yeah, it's, it's, but again, it's, it, when you put it up against what we have accomplished, when the new, the, a new home that gets built now is over 2,500 square feet, I mean, you can choose to live like that. There's nothing wrong with that, but you're prioritizing something completely different. You're prioritizing the government taking away the worry of certain basic needs at the expense of... Uh, your possible wants. Yeah, your possible wants, your, your success, innovation. Mm-hmm. They get to take our innovations. We win the Nobel Prizes... And then those things spread across the globe and other countries in socialist countries benefit from them. That's a wonderful gift from us to the world. But that is not a success of socialism. Well, here's the thing. About 50% of the nation uh, believes now socialism is great. However, when you drill down and you ask them specific questions about it, it shows that only about 1% actually believe in socialism and know what it is can make a cogent argument for social 1%. You lose about 49 percentage points when you ask a simple question. Well, what is it? How does it work? Because the media and the culture is telling everybody, this is good, this is bad. Well, they know because they live in what is, quote, bad. So they know that system, but nobody is explaining exactly how socialism works. And once you start to ask logical questions about socialism, all of the support dissipates because what they're being promised is, oh, my gosh, hope and change. They're being promised change. And when 
something other and better than this is presented without any facts whatsoever. Yeah, I'm for that. We're all for that. But the intelligent among us say, but 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 wait, could you give me any details on how that works? What is happening in Israel is absolutely shameful. Shameful. Not I actually let me refer to not what's happening in Israel. How our media is reporting what is happening in Israel is truly shameful, but even more so, it is deadly dangerous to us. I'll explain coming up in just a second. First, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter. If you need a great employee, you need a a great way to find them. Now, you could just post your job on a website and hope that people see it. You could take out an ad in the newspaper. Uh Uh, Or you could use ZipRecruiter. Now, what ZipRecruiter does is it goes out and it posts on all of the job sites. But then it learns its smart technology. It learns what you're looking for. What are the qualifications? What is the perfect person for this job? Then it goes out on its own and it finds these people and invites them to apply for your job. And that invitation makes all the difference in the world. You're going to find a qualified candidate fast. By the way, when all of the resumes come in, they come in through the dashboard of ZipRecruiter and they highlight all of the best ones. So you don't miss the person that you're really looking for. Try it out for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Try it again for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Find the right person fast. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck. Do you remember all the interviews in Charlottesville when uh, the press got to Charlottesville and then uh, talked to the people who are carrying torches and Nazi flags? And asked them, do you know what this flag means? Oh, yeah. And then said, why would you carry this flag? Because you know that the left is going to use it to discredit you. Why? So why would you do that? Why are you carrying this flag? Do you remember all of those times when they when they gave them opportunities to? Uh, I don't. You don't? I don't remember any. Oh, well, it had to be there because NPR is now doing this with the Nazi kites. Now, if you don't know about the Nazi kites, that's because you're watching the mainstream media. There are there are um, uh, Gaza protesters. I like to call them terrorists who have made kites well you're just saying they're terrorists because they happen to belong to an internationally recognized terrorist organization well that's one reason the other reason is they have made kites put the swastika on it then put a incendiary uh bomb or or uh device underneath the kite they launched the kites on their side of the border over the Israeli side into the uh, into the farmland and the wheat and then tried to get the kite to crash down and set the fields on fire. Mm, That seems like a terrorist to me. But the thing that the press, you know, 
failed to mention, you know, beside the trying to light the fields on fire, are the Nazi kites themselves. And when they did mention it, they wanted to make sure that they gave those people every single opportunity to claim, oh, they didn't know what that meant. Listen to NPR. And we've also encountered Ahmed al-Bordani, who is 19 years old, and when we saw him was holding a homemade white kite. Would you describe what that is? This is a kite that's going to go to the Jews. He said it's designed to float over the Israelis and catch fire. It was decorated with writing claiming Jerusalem for Palestinians and also with swastikas. What does this thing mean to you? Why do you put that on there? The Jews go crazy for Hitler when they see it. The Israelis know that people are flying kites with swastikas. They know this. And they use it to discredit you, mm. to say this shows you're bad people. What do you think about that? This is actually what we want them to know, he says, that we want to burn them. Oh, oh, they clarified. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, in any other circumstance, if anyone, anyone in America was saying, yeah, well, I'm, I'm flying the Nazi kite because Jews freak out about Hitler, and I want them to know that I'm going to burn them. Oh. At any time, would there be a discussion at all about, well, do they have a reason to hate the Jews? Well, what did the Jewish guy do to him? No, we would all rightfully say, this guy's crazy. This guy is a killer. This guy is as bad as the Nazis. Would we not? Would we not say that there is no place in our society and anyone who doesn't outright and clearly condemn people that think like this are part of the problem. There would be a witch hunt in America. And what is the press doing? The press is trying to tell us that, well, I mean, it's only because of Israel. It's only because of Israel. Jeez, I've heard that before. Oh, I remember it was from Goebbels and his propaganda. Hmm. You know, it was because of what the Jews were doing. You know, the Jews run all the banking, and they're just oppressing all of us. That's what they're doing. You know, they run the media and the banking and everything else. That was Goebbels. You don't need Goebbels anymore. You don't need him. You don't need a head guy coming up with all this stuff. Hamas is saying it, and our media is defending it. And... And making it legitimate. It shows that. I mean, they're just completely accepting all the casualty numbers from the Palestinian Authority, from Hamas. Hey, 2,800 are are injured. It's like, well, wait a minute. We're now finding out that many of the people who were killed are actual Hamas members. Right? So, uh, again, really, like, these peaceful protesters just happen to belong to an internationally recognized terrorist group. And then beyond that, you know, you have people, they're, we were told these are snipers taking out individual people. They're they just, like, looking at them, and they're taking them out as they go. How bad of a shot yeah. are the Israelis? What are we at, 1%? They're, they're, uh, half of a percent? Wow. I mean, I'll, it's bizarre how many people get injured by this gunfire. 
and at the same time do not get killed. It's amazing. It's incredible. Well, only if you don't understand the real peaceful meaning behind the Nazi kites. Yes. <laughs> oh. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So how do you find the truth? How do you find the truth? We're living in a postmodernist world that says there is no truth. That is that all truth is subjective and your reality isn't even reality. There is no reality. Okay, well, that's the biggest pile of dog crap I've ever heard. There is reality. Now, I understand the subtle nuance of perception is reality, but sometimes perception is wrong. Just ask Yanni or Laurel. Sometimes perception is wrong. What is the truth? Well, the best way to do it is to go to the original source, to go and and listen to their own words. All right. I want to I want to read a statement. This is from one of the senior military officials for um, Israel. And I want you to listen to this. Listen carefully. When you're in possession of weapons that were able to withstand the occupation in the wars of 2006, 2008, 2012 and 2014, when you have weapons that are being wielded by men who were able to prevent the strongest army in the region from entering the Gaza Strip for 51 days and were able to capture and kill soldiers of that army, is this really a peaceful resistance? Again, this is an Israeli senior official saying this. This is not peaceful resistance. Has the option of armed struggle diminished? No. On the contrary, it is growing and developing. When you hear talk about peaceful resistance... It is deceit on the public. This is peaceful resistance bolstered by a military force and by security agencies and enjoying tremendous popular support. This deception does not fool the Palestinian people. Okay? See what he's saying? He's saying, you've got all these weapons, and everybody is saying that this is peaceful, but that is deception. And and the Palestinians, they all know that. They're not fooled by that. They're part of this. This is an armed um, insurrection. Well, that's the opinion of, of the Israelis and the IDF. Do you agree or disagree? I, I agree. Okay. I mean, you know, I know there are certain people in the media that would push back pretty hard against that sentiment, but uh, I think that's I think that's true. Accurate. I think that's true. Accurate description. Let me play the original audio because I want you to hear what is truth. I want you to hear it for yourself. Here it is. The said Abu Mazen can a cool about the cool ahead is an hour at Hamas Lee Moraba Al Mokama Silmiya Leti cannot to Nadi if at Hounds or Yamunzu Yani Sanawat Tawila. That doesn't sound like Hebrew. Al Moraba is a Limaza little Taim Yani Fathua Hamas Fima Shruin Wahed. Stop. This is not the statement of the Israelis. This is the statement openly of a senior Hamas official. Now, where did he say that? 
Well, he said that on Al Jazeera in Arabic, which nobody in the media cares to, you know, listen to what they're saying in Arabic. It only matters what they're saying in English. Well, don't you think it really would mean something important if they're saying something different to the people of the region in Arabic? By the way, this translation comes from memory. This is the Middle Eastern uh, uh, group that just monitors what's happening in Arabic and then translates it all to Egypt because it is important what they say, not to us in English through our press, but what they're telling their own people and the entire region. Now, let me just reframe this because you agreed, yes, this is an armed insurrection. This, 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 the, the, there, there is, there is no question this is not peaceful. And the people of Palestine, they know it. Okay. Let me just read it again, but now with the understanding that this is a statement from a senior Hamas official. When you're in possession of weapons that were able to withstand the occupation in the wars of 2006, 2008, 2012, and 2014, when you have weapons that are being wielded by men who were able to prevent the strongest army in the region from entering the Gaza Strip for 51 days and were able to capture or kill soldiers of that army, is it really a peace? peaceful resistance this is not a peaceful resistance has the option of armed struggle diminished no on the contrary it's growing and it's developing so when we talk about a peaceful resistance we're deceiving the public this is peaceful (laughs) resistance bolstered by a military force and security agencies and enjoying tremendous popular support but just know this deception doesn't fool the Palestinian people. That's incredible. Incredible that, that you would feel emboldened and emboldened enough to actually say that on television. Yeah, you are saying, just like the guy who held the kite, yeah, we just want the Jews to know we want to burn them. Mm-hmm. Everything that Israel is saying is right, and we're admitting it on television, but still the media comes yep. out and tells us the yeah. opposite. Yes, they don't have to hide it. They do not have to hide it. Hitler kind of had to hide it for a while. The leader of Hamas, uh, is it uh, Yahwa Sinwar? He said that 100,000 people are going to storm the border fence. He said, and I quote, our people and our boys will surprise the entire world with what they have in store. Let them wait for a big push. We'll take down the border. And we will tear out their hearts from their bodies. Okay. Well, that sounds like peaceful. That sounds very peaceful. It mm. sounds that sounds like these are good, reasonable people that I don't know why Israel won't sit down and talk to them. I remember the Temple of Doom guy did that, remove the heart from the, the body cavity. He, yeah, was, he but, seemed pretty friendly. Yeah. He I'm, had that cool chant, the Moldoram uh, Sudoram chant. I'm sure... That- Remember that? Wow, that that's, really- I mean, there's bonus points in for that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the, uh, the 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 <laughs> the idea that this guy doesn't mean let's tear their hearts out of their bodies that he's just ah that's just hyperbole. Hmm, ask the guy with a kite. 
who wants was to send low. a message, we're going to come to burn you. That was hyper- <clears throat> hyperbole burning. Yeah. Um, ask the ask the senior official on Al Jazeera. Then why the deception? What What is the deception? You're saying that a peaceful protest is the deception. But if I have to believe the opposite of all the other people, then wait. Then there is no deception. It is a peaceful protest. It has to be. Well, how many mental hoops do you have to jump through to be able to believe any of the nonsense that is coming out of the UN and coming out of the media? You know, there's a there's a list. If you are if you are on the side of Hamas, you know, it's it's uh, the old phrase, uh, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. We should always check who we're friends with, who we agree with. Now, that doesn't always mean that you're wrong. I find myself in, in uh, you know, rooms with strange bedfellows all the time. But when you are narrowing it down to a specific issue, are you the only normal person in the room? Are you... Are you, is there anyone else like you in the room? The media takes the side of the innocent Palestinians and rejects everything that is being said by and about Hamas. So who is their comp- who, who, whose company are they in? I mean, you've got Bernie Sanders. Okay, well, okay, well, Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. he's not so bad. United Nations. United Nations. I mean, they try most of Europe. You know, that's that's great. Okay, uh, Palestinian Arab terrorist groups the, like Hamas. Hamas. Mm-hmm. Neo Nazis. Neo? Huh? They're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Alt right. Okay. And they're wonderful. Progressives. Okay. The Obama National Security. Ooh, that didn't uh, work out well. No, those those the you know the all all the podcasters, all yeah. of our favorite podcasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Infowars. They're oh, pretty. Oh, Infowars. I wonder if mm, they're pretty great. Yeah, you know, because they're warring on information. Huh. Like, for example, statements from Hamas admitting right. to the entire thing. They're right. They're at war with that information. Right. Uh, and then because uh, that's fake news. Right. And then the mainstream media. Okay. All right. Well, that's Which, good uh, company, I guess, uh, to keep. Hmm. It's an interesting left-right grouping by the way it's again i would absolutely fight and have many times whether Infowars is a right-wing group it blatantly isn't but still it's not like the way it's you know pushed out there in in the media is that they're this hard right alt the alt right the but uh, but what do they really have in common what do they really have in common all the american groups read them read them again uh mainstream media mainstream media what do they actually believe in what are they defending in venezuela Socialism, yeah. Karl Marx. Infowars. Infowars. What do they believe in? Really, truly believe in? Giant state government control. Socialism. Nationalism. Yeah, I mean, certainly they don't seem to like Jews all that much. I'll say that. Yeah, they they do not like seem Jews. to be fans of Jews. Well, they, But they are also into, they claim not to be, but then they celebrate every big government decision if their guy makes it. That's very, very true. 
uh, Obama uh, podcasters, national security bros, as they as they're called. Uh, I would say that those are anti-Israel uh, socialists. Uh, then progressives, obviously socialists, neo Nazis, the alt right again, Nazis or socialists. national socialists. The alt right. I mean, if you look at the platform by people like Richard Spencer, we've gone over it before. It's socialism doesn't sound anything like any conservative thing you've ever heard. You never heard no. Rush Limbaugh talk about the ideas that Richard Spencer talks about. No, They're, they don't have anything to do with race no. or creed. They have everything to do with socialism. Yeah, and they have a lot to do with. They no, also no, no. really saying, don't like Jews. I'm saying no, no, no. You, but you can take <laughs> that away. Don't. Yeah. Just stare at that and miss that what they're also advocating is socialism. Right. Uh, Palestinian Arab terrorist groups. Again, uh, you're going to be surprised to hear that Hamas has not implemented a free market solution yeah. in, in the region. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, don't, they, don't seem, they seem to be about totalitarianism. Well. Uh, European nations and the United Nations. Again, socialism. Large groups and people who also just don't seem to like Jews all that much. You know what's weird is these groups seem to have two things in common socialism and the hatred of jews it is almost like marxism and anti-semitism go hand in hand in fact i'm going to go out on a limb here and say no it's not like it it is that anti-semitism and and karl marx socialism always goes hand in hand All right, I want to talk to you about two different angles on why you need to share your uh, change your air filter. One, how clean is the air that you breathe? How how is your work environment? How is your home environment? Last night I got home and my son's allergies were so bad, uh, and he was just his eyes were watering and he was talking like this, and it was all allergies. How clean is the air in your home? U.S. companies lose about a quarter of a billion dollars every year due to employees just suffering with allergies. How much time have you lost in your own home with your own family due to not changing the air filters? When you change the air filter, it does two things. One, it helps everybody in the house or in the office breathe better. Two, it also saves you a ton of money on your HVAC system. Because as those filters get more and more clogged, it's harder to push the air through for the HVAC system. Small business, big business, homes, if you need a filter for your, for your HVAC system, you need to go to filterby.com. The filters are all made right here in America, and they're shipped for free within 24 hours. And if you're like me and you never remember when the last time it was that you changed your filter... You can set up auto delivery. It'll save you 5%. You'll never, ever need a reminder ever again because they'll just show up at your door and you will stop the sneezing in your house and you will reduce the wear and tear on your HVAC system. With over 600 sizes available, including custom options, you're going to find the right filter for your business or for your home at filterby.com. That's filterbuy.com. Filterby.com. Welcome to the uh, program. We're really, really glad that you're here today. Chelsea Handler is just... Uh, <laughs> glad you brought this up. Nuts. I mean, nuts. it's more than nuts. It's just dumb. 
right? I, it's like we can we can put a nice spin on it, make her feel good, act as if she's ideologically uh, uh, non. He maybe she's not so reasoned with her ideology. Yeah. She's just dumb. She doesn't know anything about what she's talking about, and she keeps thinking that she has these issues mastered. Mastered, and it's really just. I mean, you know, vodka does damage. It does. Vodka does uh, over long periods of time. <laughs> really, it can hurt. It can help. Really, it doesn't. It, it no. It does not make you particularly well uh, qualified to make in depth arguments about the region. No, I mean this is a this is a good argument though. Okay. Okay. So yeah, okay, maybe I missed one. Yeah, she says, uh, you know, this uh, BB the way he's handling, you know, Israel the way they're handling this uh, this protest. It's like Hitler saying Auschwitz was all about helping the Jews stay warm. And I think we all, hmm. Hmm. you know, wonder how she can sleep at night. Glenn Beck. Well, CIA has had a bad couple of weeks with developments in its two biggest treason cases since 1990. Uh, last week, I told you about the former CIA agent uh, that is now in custody who spied for China. Now, another is in custody. The man suspected of passing top secret CIA computer hacking secrets to WikiLeaks last year. Remember that? Was that just last year? Uh, do you remember this when they um, uh, when they passed this information and tried to WikiLeaks tried to sell, or somebody tried to sell it uh, to our enemies? Twenty nine year old Joshua. Adam Schult or Schulte used to work for the CIA's engineering development group, which created computer code for overseas spy operations. Authorities believe he may have given the code to WikiLeaks, who then released the blueprints to the world March 2017. WikiLeaks named the code Vault 7. Perhaps they say inspired by Julian Assange's cozy uh, embassy home. It's just a guess. It is uh, one of the biggest and potentially harmful leaks in CIA history. Suddenly, the world had access to some of America's most sensitive cyber espionage techniques. It's, it really is. The next war is going to be f- uh, fought with ones and zeros. This is like releasing the, the schematics to the Manhattan Project. Immediately after WikiLeaks released the CIA code last year, suspicion primarily focused on CIA contractors. But according to a former federal prosecutor, the fact that the government disclosed during a hearing that Schulte is a suspect likely indicates that he think they think that he worked alone in giving this code to WikiLeaks. He is apparently very good at computer spy stuff because he worked for the NSA before moving over to the CIA. Um, he said he joined the intelligence field because he felt it's my patriotic duty after 9-11. And apparently those patriotic feelings faded. He left the CIA in 2016, claiming that he he reported incompetent management and bureaucracy. He said that that caused him to be painted as a disgruntled employee and put him under suspicion regarding Vault 7. Well, the government is still building its case against Schulte, but ironically, he is currently already in jail. Why is he in jail? Well, he's in jail for possession and transmission of child pornography. Prosecutors say the government found a large stash of child porn on his server that he built. He is pleading guilt, uh, not guilty on that, claiming that lots of people had access to his server. 
man who to believe here. No word on whether that server also held any Hillary Clinton emails, but we'll keep you posted. It's Wednesday, May 16th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. All right, so I read a headline uh, from CNN last night, and just tell me what you think. See if anybody else believes what I believed uh, when I just read the headline. Democrats may be approaching a turning point on Israel. If you hear that and didn't read the story, Stu, what would you think that was saying? It's about time. Uh, finally, you'll have uh, <laughs> Democrats seeing the light. Right. 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 It's great to hear. Right. Because no Democrats showed up to Israel for the opening of the uh, opening of the embassy. Well, a lot of the flights were booked. Um, no, they yeah. were they were wide There's, open. And no, they were wide open. Well, religious restrictions. No, were, there was no made religious. it so they couldn't get on planes. No, that's not true at all. And they closed a lot of the airports. Okay, um, so I read this last night and I went, "Well, it's about time." And I'm thinking, what is it that they finally saw? the Palestinian Authority and Hamas saying that made them go, okay. Maybe the thing that we covered earlier today, which was when they admitted that it was not a peaceful protest and that they were intentionally lying to the media to to fool Americans, but they weren't fooling Palestinians. They were using weapons in an armed conflict. Yeah. Maybe when they admitted that on television was the turning point. Could that be it? Well, they admitted that in television, but they admitted it on Al Jazeera and they said it in Arab so i don't speak arabic and okay nobody yeah. in the so, media speaks arabic and what is that it's like a you know it's the language of a subculture Stu. so we don't have to pay attention to that oh anything that they really mean they'll say that in english it's a pretty large subculture yeah, yeah. it is isn't it <laughs> yeah 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 anyway um so let me read the story For the better part of the past two decades, the establishment wings of both Republican and Democratic Party have largely been pro-Israel. Both parties have, at least in their party platforms, maintained pro-Israel positions, including calls to recognize Jerusalem as the Jewish nation's capital. While the Republican Party has become more pro-Israel recently, it's unclear whether the Democratic Party will be able to maintain a pro-Israel tilt. Today, the Pew Research Center finds Democrats are less pro-Israel than they have been in decades. That drop has occurred in the period of just two years since 2016. This year, 27% of Democrats say their sympathies lied with the Israelis over the Palestinians. Only 27% of Democrats. 25% said the Palestinians. The rest said both or neither. Just two years ago, when Democrats adopted more pro-Palestinian positions in their plank, 43% of Democrats said their sympathies aligned with Israel compared with 29% who said the Palestinians. Now, gee, what has happened in the last couple of years? It's not just the Democrats that are split. It's how they're split. Establishment Democrats have been fighting off an insurgent progressive wing, and it's not any different on this issue. Liberal Democrats who push for the more pro-Palestinian language are far more likely to side with the Palestinians than the the Israelis. Now listen to that. Liberal Democrats? Liberal Democrats. When did liberal Democrats become cool to say again? It's progressive Democrats. Democrats. 
Is it not? Liberal Democrats, what an interesting thing to mm-hmm. say, CNN. They're more likely to side with Palestinians because you know why they, they don't do that. It's because more and more people are going, I'm not really progressive. I'm just, I'm more of your mainstream, you know, liberal Democrat, the people in the heartland. So what a strange thing to say mm-hmm. in this article. Liberal Democrats are more Palestinian um, than the Israelis. Meanwhile, moderate and conservative Democrats will go with Israel. Uh, there's also an age gap. In 2016, those under the age of 30 who called themselves Democrats or independent, who lean towards the Democratic Party, said by a 39 to 31 percent margin that their sympathies allied with the Palestinians. Among those Democrats age 65 and older, the split was 50 percent for Israel compared to 24 percent for the Palestinians. Now, why would that happen? I mean, the only thing that, you know, maybe they don't have in common anymore is going to a university. Okay. Now, with that being said, I don't know how you can honestly have a pro-Palestinian uh, uh, stance, but hey, to each his own. If you've done your homework and you know who Hamas is, and you know what Hamas is saying to their own people and to the world in Arabic. If you know all of those things, I really don't know how you have a pro-Palestinian view on what's happening in Israel today. I have no idea. Right. I I can understand it from the perspective of... Hey, these Most, people just like Donald Trump was the guy who moved the 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 embassy to Jerusalem. Like you're going to be opposed if you're a Democrat, you're going to be opposed because Trump's doing it. You know, conservatives generally seem and religious people seem to be defensive of Israel. If you're not one of them, you might just take the other side generally. And you might you see some of the propaganda in the media where you see people like. Poor people dying at the hands of a military. Maybe you don't look into the details that closely. You can understand how you might uh, waddle into that area. And you might even just say, look, I'm not going to pick a side, but I think the Palestinians just, I mean, look, people are people. Just can't we all just get along and live side by side? And I would say yes, if you didn't have politicians winding people up to get them to strap a suicide bomb on or Put their baby in harm's way mm-hmm. at the front line of the uh, of the quote peaceful protest. We might remember the elected politicians of this particular area are Hamas. Yes. Okay. Okay. A, the known terrorist group. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm looking for a Democrat, any Democrat, that says to themselves, "Look, I I don't agree with you, Glenn Beck, on a lot of things, but uh, what's happening right now is." Is crazy. And let me give you another story. The Forward has published a big expose on Jordan Peterson. Now, Jordan Peterson is a Canadian professor, not playing politics, not playing politics, just talking about mainly boys and men and and find meaning in your life. He's been on this program several times, and he is the most carefully uh, he's the most careful person with words I've ever seen. He's he is intentionally a very slow talker at times mm-hmm. because he wants to make sure he doesn't say anything on a big platform that is inflammatory. Okay, he's carefully thought out and reasoned. You may not agree with him, but here's what Forward did. 
They put Peterson's picture up in a story alongside Adolf Hitler's. And the headline was, is Jordan Peterson enabling Jew hatred? Now, you have to understand, he is currently on tour with a Jew. Now, I don't know how that how that works. I don't know how you have a Nazi rally with the Jew there. Must be a real odd couple situation. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so you can guess what followed that. Jordan Peterson is a public intellectual adored by neo-Nazis. I'm quoting. Now, this, this is coming from the Weekly Standard, who took the forewords article apart. Uh, and I'm quoting the foreword. Jordan Peterson is public intellectual adored by neo-Nazis. The neo-Nazi website Daily Stormer called Peterson the savior of Western civilization. Part of why people on the far right like Peterson is because he's not afraid to talk about the Jews. Peterson's followers rage, uh, range from an avowed neo-Nazi community like the Daily Stormer to frustrated young men looking for a scapegoat, end quote. Now, this is what the Weekly Standard uh, wrote. By the end of the article, you had the impression that a horde of jackboots marched behind Air Peterson's goose steps, wondering the, uh, the actual extent of Peterson's support at the Daily Stormer. I looked up the word savior and discovered it has three sentence blog posts written by a guy calling himself Joe Jones. As it turns out, he was likely being ironic about praising Peterson as the Messiah because just the month before his ambiguous savior comment, he wrote Jordan, Jordan Peterson, and I'm going to use the real. Mm, I don't think you should use the real. Why? Because media would be uh, dishonest and take it out of context? Partially, and also license issues that can be complicated. Because people would complain because they were taking it out of context. I will. I will abide because of the license issue. Mm -hmm. uh, Jordan Peterson is a. Uh, how do F A G? Right. Yeah, that's fine. Yes. O T. The uh, the gay slur. Yes. Uh, that that. And yeah. his fans are also that word. Mm -hmm. One of his other posts is titled "Jordan Peterson's fans are massive f words with daddy issues." So the guy who claimed in a vague three-sentence post that he's the Messiah, he's the Savior, had written two other articles saying that he's a gay slur and all of his supporters are gay slurs. And, you, and rarely on Daily Stormer is my impression that they use any reference to gay people as a compliment. It's not typically yes, uh, something they do there. A little more investigation on the site revealed that Joe Jones wasn't the only Daily Stormer contributor cracking jokes about Peterson being some sort of savior. Another guy, Roy Batty, wrote, listening to members of the Jordan B. Peterson cult, you might think he was some sort of Christ figure. You, um, you see, uh, it's all an acting prop. A cheap shtick to make normies think he's deeper and more fatherlike than he really is. Normies. Some I know. Someone else named Andrew Anglin added that Peterson wasn't simply an F slur word, but a pretentious smarmy F word. And posted the article titled Seven Hour Video on Why Jordan Peterson is a piece of crap, not the actual word. Yes, it was seven hours. 
In a different post, he wrote, Peterson is full of ass, no matter how you slice it. I could go on with other curses hurled at Peterson, but you get the picture. Feldman cited one example from the hate site, Joe Jones' seemingly ironic post, to support his sweeping claim that Peterson is adored by far-right racists. Unless the F-word slur and piece of crap means something different in (laughs) neo-Nazi land, it appears Feldman stretched the truth. Uh, That is a really generous uh, summary. Yes, it is. Right there. Feldman also hid hid from the readers all the notable Jewish individuals from across the political spectrum who have written or spoken positively about about Jordan Peterson and his work. To name a few, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. Well, he's no dummy. Harvard Steven Pinker. He's no dummy, and he's on the left. Psychiatrist Norman Doidge, Professor Jonathan uh, Haidt, another non-dummy and somebody from the left. Howard Bloom, novelist Melanie Phillips, journalist Barbara Kay, Professor Gad Sad, uh, or Siad, uh, editor Jonathan Kay, comedian Dave Rubin, who's currently on tour with him, writer Kathy Young, biologist Brett Weinstein, Author Ben Shapiro, comedian Bill Maher, New York columnist David Brooks, and Barry Weiss. It's frankly astonishing that not one editor had the professionalism to insist on gathering some testimony on behalf of the accused from any of these reputable people. Evidently, the foreword is perfectly acceptable uh, to have journalists ask loaded questions about a man and then stack the deck against him Quoting only his accusers. Can we find any Democrats that are listening in this audience? Can we find one who will stand against the clear anti-Semitic lies that are happening and the smears on people? Anyone in this audience who's a Democrat that will take a stand and say, I'm, I'm tired of this. Not the policies, just these lies. Like to hear from you, 888-727-BECK. Will anyone stand on the other side and say, that's not, that's not who we are. That's not who we are. I don't agree with that. All right. It's important to protect your home with home security, but how many home security companies are actually thinking, how can we protect your home and your privacy? Simply Safe does. They obsess over uh, the little details that no other home security company does. Example, the Simply Safe Home Security has a camera that you can control from your phone, but they want to protect your home and your privacy. So they came up with a brilliant idea, a privacy shutter for the camera. Now, Simply Safe wanted you to be able to hear the shutter click so you knew it was closed. They wanted to have a light on it so you could easily tell after the and it opened, a light would go on so you'd know it was on. And they needed it to work for the entire lifespan of the system. So Simply Safe got to work testing different metals and hinge designs for months and months and months and months. The result, an effective home security camera with thin, lightweight aluminum privacy shutter that will work every time that no other security system has. Simply Safe, not just home security. It's, 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 it's home security done right. 
Simply Safe. Go to simplysafebeck.com now and get 10% off your system at simplysafebeck.com. 10% off today. Simplysafebeck.com. Well, you ain't kidding. <laughs> Seriously. Glenn Beck. Right wing extremist at Politico. They should be jailed for war crimes. Yes. Do you not think? Yes. Crimes against humanity. Yeah. Call the Hague. Thank you. Because there's a new article that is pretty much denying what we all know to be true about global warming and electric cars. There is a freaking consensus, people. Okay, how many times do I have to to tell you? You have electric cars. I mean, we have to have them because it's clean energy. It's it's free energy. It comes out of like the wall somehow, right? And and it doesn't even have a hamsters in the wall. It doesn't. It doesn't even have a tailpipe. So now Politico is coming out and saying, "Oh, it's." It's possibly worse for the environment. Unbelievable. Please. I'm calling the Hague, and then we read the story Glenn to you next. Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Last night, Mercury One hosted its kickoff party for the M1 Ball happening this November. You can get your tickets now. MercuryOne.org, M1 Ball. Uh, Deandra uh, Simmons Locke, who you might know if you ever watch the show, The Real Housewives of Dallas. Um, she has become uh, a really huge supporter of the Nazarene Fund. She's gone over to Iraq. Um, I think she's going over to Australia. They're covering it on The Real Housewives of Dallas, I think, next season. Her husband, Jeremy Locke, are are chairing this year's M1 ball. I get they're big movers and shakers here in Dallas. I don't run in these circles, so I don't know, but apparently, you know, she did her and her husband did her tour of duty of fundraising. And, you know, they have these big parties with important people and all of that crap. Uh, you know, again, nothing I'm ever invited to, nor do I want to be, but, uh, uh, she's come out of quote retirement uh, to help fundraise for uh, Mercury One and the Nazarene Fund. And she's just, she's really remarkable. I've, I've never watched the show Real Housewives of Dallas. Uh, no. Really? You're no, not a, not I, a... I haven't. I haven't. Hmm. You seem like Target Demo number one for I that know, show. I know, mm-hmm. I know. But tickets are on sale. Uh, sponsorships are on sale now. They're also having a raffle again. This year we're raffling off a two, 2018 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250. It's sitting here in our studio. Uh, and you can grab the raffle tickets and and win. It's usually won by somebody who's not at the ball. So, yeah, a lot of times it's won by you know friends and family members of no, employees. It's really, no, it's really not uh, which, ever. Yeah. It's ever. That's not <laughs> it's usually Jeffy seems to win <laughs> yeah, it somehow. Uh, Mercuryone.org/slash/m1ball. Grab your tickets and join us this fall, uh, or just grab your shot of uh, getting a brand new Mercedes at uh, Mercuryone.org/slash/m1ball. Okay couple of things I want to go over. First of all, let's just take the global warming thing. Thank you. Okay. First of all, we have said for years on this program, yes, they don't have a tailpipe, but there's a couple of things to consider. Electric cars, where does that energy come from? The wall isn't thinking through enough. It's not just the wall. It's the power station. How does the power station make the electricity to power your car? 
usually they burn coal. Or, or magic elves. Yes. And that coal is dirtier than a new car. So you're actually doing more harm to the environment. You climate denier. We should put you in jail. Okay. Or you can just wait until it starts to be proven. Now here comes the Politico. Amazing. This is an amazing story in Politico. Uh, Now, of course, this is based on laws signed by both George Bush and Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. So it's bipartisan, in which we're going to give up to $7,500 to every person who buys an electric car. Mm -hmm. Many states also dangle their own mix of goodies for electric car uh, buyers, including rebates as large as $5,000, additional rebates for vehicle chargers, and free use of public charging uh, stations. California Governor Jerry Brown decreed 5 million electric vehicles must be on his state's roads by 2025, along with 250,000 charging stations. Eight other states are following California's lead. One California lawmaker has even introduced legislation to ban all internal combustion vehicles by 2040. Wait, wait. Who? What state? California. Oh, good God. They're insane. Insane. They're insane. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, all of this might make sense if electric vehicles, as their supporters claim, were truly likely to reduce air pollution and tackle climate change. But are they? This is not a question I knew you were allowed to ask, but Politico has asked it. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> to answer the question, and this is a lot of right-wing information here, so okay. you might want to dismiss it. Yeah, uh, please dismiss your is, kids. Mm-hmm. They'll be confused when they get to school if they hear any of this. I, uh, they, I use the U.S. This is not me saying this. This is the author from Politico. I use the U.S. Energy Information Administration's most recent long-term forecast for the number of new electrical vehicles through 2050, looking at three clean pollutants regulated under the U.S. Clean Air Act, as well as CO2 emissions. So that seems pretty right-wing right there, that information yeah, source. from the government. What I found is that widespread adoption of electric vehicles nationwide will likely increase air pollution compared with new internal combustion vehicles. Increase. That might sound counterintuitive, or if you've listened to this program, like the truth. After all, I won't, uh, won't replacing a 30-year-old smoke-belching Oldsmobile with a new electric vehicle re- reduce air pollution. Yes, yes, but how many of us are driving an Oldsmobile from the 1970s? <laughs> That's a good question. Yes. This is where uh, electric vehicle proponents' arguments run off the road. They fail to consider just how clean and efficient new internal and combustion vehicles are. The appropriate comparison for evaluating the benefits of electric cars is not an old gas guzzler. It's the difference between an electric car and a new gas car. No, and- no, 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 no. But how much, how much mm-hmm. cleaner will the air be? Right. If we, if we replace everybody's 1955 <laughs> Buick. <laughs> hey, with a Tesla. With a Tesla. Uh, right, I don't understand. Right. This is an amazing stat, which I was not aware of. Today's vehicles, new gas-powered vehicles emit only 1% of the pollution that they did in the 1960s. So gas engines have cut their pollution by 99%. Now, I didn't know that stat, but I'm not surprised because, as we have said from the beginning, if the market wants clean vehicles, if they want to stop driving gas guzzlers, they want something more efficient and clean. The free market will provide it. Mm-hmm. So look at the gas guzzling, almost gone, mm-hmm. 
And Gene, cutting admissions by 99%. That's incredible. Uh, new innovations continue to improve those engines' efficiency and cleanliness. As for the electric car, the energy doesn't come from nowhere. Not magic elves, not hamster wheels in your wall. No, it's, it's just from the, uh, you have to have an outlet. Mm -hmm. we, still, outlet. we still generate power mainly by using fossil fuels. Natural mm. gas is now our biggest source of electricity, which is cleaner than coal, but is projected to increase. Coal, while declining, will remain the second largest source of electricity for some time. Third is nuclear power, which of course environmentalists don't want either, even though it's emission free. The and e they also want to stop fracking, which stops uh, natural, natural gas. gas. Mm -hmm. The EIA projects that the nation's electric generating mix will be just 30% renewable by 2030. Based on that forecast, if the EIA's projected number of electric vehicles were replaced with new internal combustion vehicles, air pollution would actually decrease. From electric vehicles to combustion engines, that would, air pollution would actually decrease. And this holds true even if you include the emissions from the oil refineries that manufacture gasoline. Now, a lot of these stories <sighs> in the past, Glenn, we've, we've talked about them. Mm -hmm have done an analysis based on the manufacturing of the car because there's it's a lot more strenuous on the environment to manufacture sure. an electric sure. car than it is a combustion car. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not even in this analysis. I've read the whole thing. It's not even in there. As for greenhouse gas emissions, electric vehicles, now this is after production, will reduce, uh, will reduce uh, compared to in new internal combustion vehicles. But the net reduction in CO2 emissions between 2018 and 2050 would only be about one-half of 1% of total forecast U.S. energy-related carbon emissions. With such a small change, will have no impact whatsoever on climate and thus no economic benefit. So what if uh, if we have these subsidies, who are they benefiting? We've talked about this before. You can go back to your, your first New York Times bestseller, and this information is in here, uh, or a version of it. Um, but this is the new update. This is 2017. A nationwide survey in 2017 found that 56% of people who claimed the subsidy, the free money from the government, had household incomes of at least $100,000. 17% had household incomes of at least $200,000, which is almost four times the medium income of the United States. It's fair to say, sub this is a polit... This is Politico I'm reading. The only person, the only people I know that have electric cars like a Tesla They're are rich, rich people. people. Of course. It's fair to say subsidies disproportionately benefit the wealthy at the expense of the poor who cannot afford to buy even subsidized electric vehicles. Not only that, the wires and charging stations need to charge all those electric vehicles will be paid for by ratepayers further increasing electric rates. And as more wealthy customers install solar panels to charge their electric vehicles, the cost to provide them backup power will fall on those who cannot afford to do so. In effect... The wealthy owners of electric vehicles will enjoy the benefits of their clean, silent cars while passing on many of the costs of keeping their vehicles on the road to everyone else, especially the poor. Again, I'm quoting Politico. To be sure, electric cars are impressive. Some are quicker than off the line than the Formula One race car. We've talked about this. But there is no economic or environmental justification for the many billions of dollars in subsidies that America is already paying to speed their adoption. Congress should immediately terminate electric vehicle tax credits, which just benefit the wealthy. Congress should eliminate zero emission credits, where, which electric vehicle manufacturers have used to boost their bottom line. And we've said millions of positive things about uh, Elon Musk, but he's got to be called out on this. Which have increased the bottom line $860 million for Tesla alone in the last three years. That is an abomination. Yep. 
just another one to add to the pile. So mm. let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Seattle, something that we said would happen yesterday. But pff, I mean, who can even remember how old you were yesterday? Oh, remember the remember uh, what was on TV and the yeah. candy they used to have back I, in those days? I don't. Those old school <laughs> retro candies from 2018 <laughs> from yesterday. Yeah. Uh, OK, so supporters of the Seattle tax hike. Supporters of the Seattle tax hike, what did we tell you just yesterday that they would do to Amazon? Amazon folded, we think. Um, they at least started construction on their, their new building or, or re- resumed construction, but they still are out on whether they're going to stay in Seattle. This tax hike was $500 per employee that was hired in Seattle. Uh, it's now been reduced to $275 per employee. It's going to cost Amazon about $12 million every year. Every year. We told you yesterday, Amazon, what are you this? You can't be this stupid. You can't be this stupid. That's where they start. They're going to come for more. Now, that was yesterday, how things change. Let's play the audio of the supporters and what the supporters were chanting at the vote. Go ahead. What is it? A little now, more later. It's uh, we will get more. We'll be back for more is the, at least the, what I heard in that clip. Play it again. Yes, we'll be back for more. All right. We'll be back for more. <laughs> we'll be back for more. I, how, I, honestly, how stupid do you have to be to, to put your business there right now? In that environment, unless they start electing people who actually are sane, we'll be back for more, and they will. You'll build the rest of that tower, and then they'll come back to take their piece of it. And if you allow that to happen, that is on you at this point. They're I being mean, clear. If you're a shareholder of Amazon... You should be you should be making your voice heard on no don't go into Seattle. What are you doing paying an extra 12 million dollars a year? Mm. That's not going to the shareholders or investing in future things. What are you doing? No. Go someplace where you don't have to pay all of that tax. Fiduciary responsibility has to come into play at some point with Amazon. And are you? They can't be that stupid. They know that this will be raised because they don't have a uh, a income problem in Seattle. They have a spending problem in Seattle, as all socialist cities and nations always do. And eventually, they're going to run out of other people's money. So, what else is happening in the great town of Seattle? Oh, yeah. Wait till you hear the latest from the university. Evergreen, Evergreen College. Oh, my gosh. This place makes Berkeley look like BYU. What are they doing? We'll show you when we come back. Right now, let me tell you about Blinds.com. Blinds.com helped us with uh, a lot of places in our house. One of them uh, was our bedroom. That was the latest place. And we did this, I don't know, about a year or so ago. I promised my wife we would get rid of these awful drapes that we, we bought with the house. Uh, and, you know, your bedroom is usually the last place in the house that you're going to do. 
my wife hated our bedroom, so I promised her that I would I'd do something about it. And so I called blinds.com, and we picked out some, some drapes. And I have to tell you, I walked in, what, just last weekend. It was really beautiful, and she had the windows open and everything. And it just, I mean, it truly transformed this room. It, it was it, it's like, it's amazing. Now, I've had those drapes now for about a year, and I still am finding myself walking into that room going, Wow, this is really beautiful. So you want something that's beautiful, want something that increases the value of your house, uh, updates the house, makes it just look right for really very little money in comparison to anything else that you could do to your house? It's blinds. It's window treatments at blinds.com. They'll even remake your blinds for free if you mismeasure or pick the wrong color. And they send you the free samples to make sure that everything looks as good in person as it does online. And every order gets free shipping. The prices are the best. The, the quality is the best. And their customer service is unlike anybody else's. For a limited time, now through May 22nd, you buy one and get one 50% off site-wide. Use the, uh, the um, uh, promo code BECK at blinds.com slash BECK. That's blinds.com slash BECK. When you use that web address, you can buy one and get one 50% off site-wide. Blinds.com slash BECK. Glenn Beck. In just a few minutes... We will tell you about the No Whites Allowed Day of Absence. Uh, It lives on at Evergreen State College. Now, wait a minute. Hold on just a second. No Whites Allowed on campus? I thought the the university said they weren't going to do that anymore. Well, they did, but the students had the final say, of course. There is such a happy ending to this story. You're going to blow your stack, but then a happy ending. And we talked about North Korea next. Glenn Beck. Students at the embattled Everscreen State College, which made national headlines last year after it hosted an event that asked white people not to come to campus for a day of absence. Man, I wish that would have happened when I was going to school. I would have have stayed home every day. Anyway, um... They uh, they've had they've had to organize a new iteration of the event, despite the administrators efforts to shift gears. The administration of the school does not want this to happen. Students at the Olympia, Washington based public school uh, have organized a three day day of absence observance that includes a mix of events on and off campus. Some gatherings are advertised as open to all skin colors. Others ask that only people of color attend. A poster hung at the school obtained by the College Fix, which is where I found this article, declares that the No Whites Allowed self-segregation events will be held off campus. It asks people to RSVP to a website that spells out No Nazis Allowed in the URL. The events uh, launch today and run through Friday, according to organizers who are not interested in any media coverage for their event. Uh, the, the screenshot of their Facebook page uh, makes that very, very clear. Do not engage with these people because this is happening no matter what. Um, the spokesperson for the Evergreen State College did not respond to a phone call and an email on Tuesday seeking comment. The theme of this year's observance is deinstitutionalize and decolonize. Mm. 
The mission of this event is to bring people of color together in order to create a uh, reclamation of space and move forward into the future. In reaction to institutions' consistent disregard for our safety, we are operating independently of the college. This is a day for us, by us. In addition to POC-centered events, there will be an anti-racist workshop for white people uh, and people who do not identify as people of color. Please bring a dish or your own packed lunch and dishes, potluck style. No one whose intentions are to cause harm are allowed. The college's annual Day of Absence, Day of Presence program has been observed for years. However, last year, following the objections by a white biology professor, Brett Weinstein, he's an amazingly brave man, they, uh, they confronted him. And campus police told Weinstein that they could no longer protect him on campus. After that, his class had to meet at a nearby park. The situation prompted national headlines and criticism. Now, this is the good part. Earlier this year, officials announced that they would revamp the controversial Day of Absence observance, instead offering an uh, equity symposium. As for his part, Weinstein has weighed in in this year's Day of Absence. This is fascinating on many levels. The college canceled the Day of Absence, so the students are going to do this. Hmm. Note the structure of their pyramid. Last week, the Olympian reported that Evergreen State, quote, will look to cut more than 10% of its operating budget for 2018-19 and raise student fees because of declining enrollment. Did you hear that? I just said Yanni. Or was it Laurel? It's Wednesday, May 16th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. We've had Michael Malice on a few times. He's the author of Dear Reader, the unauthorized autobiography of uh, Kim Jong-il. Uh, he's a podcast host of You're Welcome and really a, a fascinating guy on all things North Korea. We wanted to have him on today. Uh, just to just to give us a an idea of what he thinks is going on with North Korea and the latest of well, I'm going to pull out of these talks. Welcome to the program, Michael Malice. Thanks so much, Glenn. So, Michael, what is your take on what the news of the day? Well, my take is uh, it's just shocking to me how the media often gets played by North Korea. You remember a few weeks ago. Um, that everyone's ready to hand out the Nobel Peace Prize uh, to Trump or the South Korean President Moon. And I said, wait a minute, uh, this is like Hillary right before the election when she tweeted out, uh, happy birthday to this future president. These people are manipulative, they're deceptive. And what people need to understand about North Korea is they've outlasted the entire Soviet bloc. That's not an accident. They're very, very bright and they're very, very conniving. So if before a meeting, if you know, me and you, Glenn, were having some negotiation, you want to sell me your car, and before we even sat down, you're like, I'll give you this. I'll give you free air conditioning for this, this, and that. Right away, you know, I'd be suspicious. What is going on here? So before the meeting, they were giving up nukes. They were saying we can withdraw from the South Korean, um, uh, from South Korea, our troops. Uh, they're going to give in this. They're going to give in that. It's like, even if they were willing to give up all these things, why wouldn't they do that at the close of the meeting rather than up front? 
And we see here um, exactly what they're doing, which was a very successful effort to uh, humiliate us on the world stage, even if it's just a short-term thing to flex their muscles, so to speak. Did they lure us essentially into being too eager to solve this problem? Uh, I don't think we are too eager. I don't think we can be eager enough. I think this is the biggest problem on the world stage. North Korea is the worst country on earth. I, I was on Fox and Friends and I made the point, look, we have we got out three hostages. There's 25 million more, which is the North Korean people. Um, so, and, you know, and, and the thing is, they canceled their meeting with South Korea today over these uh, war exercises. These have been an annual event. Uh, since the 70s, at least, they've complained about them before. But it would be as if, you know, uh, I called you up on October 30th and said to you, Glenn, I'm upset you're having a Halloween party tomorrow. The meeting's off. It's like, w- you knew this was coming. So this is disingenuous. And we also know it's disingenuous for the following reason. Uh, it's, it was all announced publicly. So if they were really upset about these things, they could have very easily behind closed doors said, look, you know, we're having second thoughts. We need these changes before the meeting. You know, you guys can make any excuses you want publicly, but this is something we need before we get to the table. That's not what they did. They just sent out their, you know, they just made their announcements declaratively. And then you saw yesterday the State Department was scrambling, saying we haven't heard anything from them at all. So this is very much, you know, a public show of strategy and, and them asserting their, their place uh, in the negotiations. So, so do you think the negotiations are going to be on? Or is this going to happen or, or not? A uh, gun to my head, I would say yes. Um, because there's been a lot of momentum. Um, I think this, they, they didn't say they're pulling out. They're playing coy. They canceled the meeting with South Korea as a way of showing we mean business. But they wouldn't have got the fact that all this was announced publicly that he's going to be with President Trump. Surely behind the scenes, there were so much discussion to get us to that point. So I don't think it's all a bluff. Now, what could be a bluff is what they agree to do as a consequence of this meeting. Uh, But certainly North Korea and Kim Jong-un love the adulation they're having on the world stage. Mm -hmm. You know, the visuals that they have him crossing the DMZ, and he's this sweet kid, you know, even though he murdered members of his own family, but we're not going to talk about that now. Um, So that is something that works in their favor. So I think it would be a, a big coup if they had the meeting. And as a result of the meeting, they really aren't tied to having to do anything, even if they technically agree to it. Michael, I'm interested to because we've talked about the sort of tough approach of of Trump and the administration and how that's yeah. been effective, maybe in in, yeah. in communicating to them. And and I've seen that because from our perspective, that's what's happened, right? Like we've talked tough, yeah. we've held them to account, and they've actually come to the table. From their perspective, could you argue, hey, we we because uh, they were doing these tests when we were talking tough. Now sure. we're reaching out. And they've accepted us and are allowing the president from this world, you know, supposed world leader come to our territory and beg us to make peace. Yeah. So, I mean, we have to keep in mind last November or December. Remember those days? We were so much younger then. They (laughs) sentenced President Trump to death. Uh, So, you know, they are and they were going to nuke Guam. Uh, these people have no problem just saying outrageous things. And, and, and the fact that President Trump responded in kind has clearly forced a change in their behavior. I see a lot of Twitter people are so desperate to attack the president. It's like, look, you know, under Obama, nothing really changed in North Korea. And I just want to make one more point. I was very, very saddened 
that after these three hostages were released, which is a great day for all Americans, mm -hmm. I mean, it was just a, a wonderful thing. Uh, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, uh, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, none of them mentioned it in their Amazing. Twitter. I checked I that afternoon, and I couldn't even wrap my head around it. But they could very easily take a dig at the Trump or just say, hey, well, or you know what, co-opt it. Meet with, the, meet with the hostages and make it your thing. So the fact that this is being made into a partisan issue uh, is really disturbing to me. Yeah, because I mean, even if nothing comes of these talks, the three hostages are—that's yeah. a big deal. So one of the best, yeah. one of the best explanations on what's really happening that I have heard, um, it was from Bill O'Reilly, and and I said because I was a believer in, and I still kind of am, that it is Donald Trump speaking the language that a dictator understands. Dictator yeah. understands strength and being shoved back against the wall. And yeah. that's the guy with a twitchy eye. And they've never seen an American president do that. And they didn't know how to handle it. And they thought, okay, all right, maybe this guy is different. We got to handle him differently. Um, but Bill said that he felt that the tweets and the positioning had very little to do with it. Instead, he said it was Trump's trade war with China and then going to China and saying, I'm going to do these things unless you get the short little guy uh, under control and you take care of it. And it was it was after the meeting with China, he believes, where they called him on the carpet and said, look, knock it off. Do you believe yeah. do you believe that's true? Uh, I I, I said from the beginning of the Trump administration, uh, when he met with the Chinese president at Mar-a-Lago, they're doing a good cop, bad cop, which is Trump is the foaming at the mouth, crazy person. No one knows what to make of him. Look at him. He's saying I have a nuclear button on my desk. And then China gets to be the good guys. And it's always going to be more of China's problem than ours, simply because of geography. And then China gets to say, hey, do you want to deal with him? Because no one knows what to make of him or you don't want to deal with us. We're your big brother. So I think this was a pincer movement going in both directions, and I don't think it's a contradiction between those two positions. It's not one thing. There's clearly several factors that are forcing them to alter their behavior in such extreme ways. I mean, again, this is the first North Korean leader to ever go to South Korea, to have his sister go to the Olympics and engage with the outside world, contradicts decades of North Korean ideology. Is, is, is uh, North Korea looking for us to come over there and accept them and welcome them as a nuclear power, uh, as we have with Pakistan, or are they expecting us to demand that they remove all those weapons uh, and give us all of their technology or dismantle all of that technology? Which, which are they really, what are they going to do? Do you well, think it, it was, they made a very shrewd point last night into this morning, which is, if you are going to insist on unilateral denuclearization, that's not uh, fair or whatever term they used. And in a certain sense, there is a validity to it. That said, you know, North Korea was on the state sponsors of terrorism list for blowing up a South Korean jet. They have concentration camps. They oppress uh, their people. They sell their military technology worldwide. So it's not even like Pakistan because there's a possibility of uh, nuclear proliferation through their technology. And that's why it's a, a concern. So they are, they are going to demand, and why wouldn't they demand the world? Because they're in their corner. They're sitting pretty. Uh, at the same time, I, I don't think President Trump 
or most people in the administration would have any problem getting up and walking away from the summit. I don't think he needs I mean, the classic example, which everyone the right uses fairly, is Reagan at Reykjavik, where, you know, they had these negotiations with Gorbachev. You know, they're agreeing to everything. And at the very end, Gorbachev very shrewdly says, well, you know, this all depends on you giving up uh, SDI, Star Wars. And Reagan blew his top and walked. And as a consequence of that, he ended up uh, taking the steps that led to the end of the Cold War. So I, I know there's a lot of people in the uh, administration who are very familiar with that scenario. And here's the other point that I think this is Trump's greatest strength. If you're working with New York and international real estate for decades, you know all the negotiating shenanigans and dealing with the bad actors. Yeah. I mean, this is this is his exact forte. He know. I mean, I'm from New York, so I know what these people are like. It's it's not a, a fair and nice handshake stuff. It's really, uh, you know, check but verify, as Reagan yeah. and Gorbachev said. It's cro- It's it's cutthroat stuff. Thirty seconds, yeah. Michael. One more quick question. Uh, is that what you expect to happen? Um, which is because uh, that's kind of what I expect, Michael. To, they're going to start these negotiations. North Korea is going to make some sort of uh, demand that is completely untenable to us and we walk is that what you expect uh no because i i i don't know because it depends on what china has been telling them and forcing them this is the secret that we are not privy to nor should we be privy to okay there we go michael malice thank you so much he's the author of a great book called dear reader the unauthorized autobiography of kim jong il and his podcast is uh, your welcome you can find him <laughs> on uh twitter at Michael Malice. Thanks, Michael. Great pleasure, guys. All right. Um, The June meeting of the Fed is coming up June 12th and 13th. Economists overwhelmingly predict that the Fed's going to raise rates. If you have found a home and you're interested in financing, and if you're interested in taking advantage of today's competitive low rates, do, do it right now before June 12th. And American financing can help. Whether you're buying your first home, your next home, or even an investment home, let American financing customize the right loan program for you. You can pre-qualify in 10 minutes, close in as fast as 10 days. American financing. They employ salary-based mortgage consultants. They don't work on commission. They work for you. They have an A-plus rating with the BBB and over 1,700 Google reviews. So check them out for yourself. These are the people that if you're getting a loan, these are the people you need to talk to. You can utilize every single loan. They will customize a loan program to fit your financial needs, license in all 50 states, and you can close sometimes in 10 days. American Financing, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440. Do it now, AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You know, we're kind of on this kick today of, let's go to the original source. Let's listen to them. What are the people that we're dealing with, for instance, Hamas or North Korea? What are they actually saying themselves? Listen to this. I'm interested because this is the reason for my skepticism, at least partially. They North Korea is famous for, as Michael Malice put it just you know they're they're conniving right they they manipulate and they're connivers and they will uh, lie to you all the time Mm -hmm. so we've been told at least through our media that this is going to be a situation where we're going to get these nukes they're going to end the nuclear program they're not going to have weapons and i'm very skeptical of Mm -hmm. that listen to what was said to pompeo in the buried in the middle of this uh cnn story uh this is what they the spokesperson said to pompeo when he was there 
Mm-hmm. You, had visit, you have visited Pyongyang at such a good time, at such a warm and lovely spring, and a good atmosphere has been established between the North and the South. So everything is going well in Pyongyang now. Again, communicating, look, we, we, don't, we don't need you to fix this. This is already fine. We're fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, they t- then told the Americans, we have perfected our nuclear capability, adding that this is not the result of sanctions that have been imposed from the outside. So again, you had nothing to do with this. He's not saying that we're having a meeting to, to turn these things over. He's saying you didn't have nothing to do with this. And most importantly, we have perfected our nuclear capability. In other words, we don't need more tests. We've already, we're done. We've, we've already perfected it. We don't need to test anything anymore. So now we're coming to the table after we're done perfecting our program and no longer need tests to tell you we're not going to test anymore. Not to tell you that we're giving all of our weapons up. Uh, and then he says, it's our policy to concentrate all efforts into economic progress in our country. Again, we've now, we had a priority of nuclear capability. We perfected that. Now we're moving on to our economy. So sure, we'll talk now. Uh, so I think Trump is going to go in there and hear that they're not willing to give up these weapons. As again, uh, the quote, Mike, the other one that Michael talked about, if the Trump administration only pushes us into a corner and forces us to give up our nuclear weapons unilaterally, then we will no longer take interest in such a talk and would have to reconsider. So I think what they're communicating is the our media is telling us, look, I mean, they're setting Trump up for failure because they're going to, of course, bash him if this doesn't go right. But he should be he should be willing to walk on this. Mm-hmm. If we if they're not going to get we don't want them to become a nuclear power. Think about it this way. One way we've been hearing about it is they're going to get rid of their nukes and peace is going to come to the peninsula. We love that. That's a win. If we are just recognizing them as a nuclear power, that is a loss. Mm-hmm. That is a win for North Korea mm-hmm. if they are just now a nuclear power like Pakistan or like India. Right? If we're just coming to the table and saying, hey, we don't want you to test anymore, but we'll recognize your uh, your right to have nuclear weapons, that's not a win from our perspective. Now, look, we don't want war under any circumstance that we can take. We don't want people dying. We know how bad war looks. So talking is absolutely right, and, and the idea that he can go there and, and have these discussions could work out to be great. Except I'm you're, concerned. you're leaving out one one part, and that is, what role is China going to play Glenn, in security? back. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Could I go out on a man limb here for a second? A man limb? Yeah, man limb. A limb made of men? No, it's a, it's a you know, from the man tree, you go way out on a limb, and okay. you might fall out of the man tree. <laughs> okay, okay, well, you've been there many times. Yeah, we so. have, and you know you know me, but uh, uh, I'm going to take, take a chance here. <laughs> I am, strangely, and not deeply, but strangely kind of interested in what's happening with what's her face that's marrying the prince guy <laughs> okay. uh, i don't even know is it harry or what's the other guy's name uh what's the prince's name i don't know the Pete. Prince's name. i know it's and, uh, harry okay it's what it's harry harry so which one's getting married harry, harry is getting married and he's so you show your level of interest is super right, right. High it's not very high at all okay. um uh but she's an american yes. she's an actress megan markle yes yes um I, and I, she, as you know i've had a and I, you know, what's interesting me to me right now is that the fact that she kind of comes from a trashy family. It does, <laughs> and I kind of a little bit of that. I do kind of like the American trailer trash moving into the palace. Now she know? does not at all seem to be trailer trash. No, I'm not saying she, does, she is, but right. she's got her family does seem to have a, tr- a branch uh, in it, a, a, bra- <laughs> a branch, a branch out of the falling, you know, falling out of the decent tree, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> going out on a limb with her family, and uh, whoa, I'm in trash land. 
Yes, uh, it does seem to be that way. Right. Now, I have... Uh, because usually I would have a zero on the interest of the uh, of the mm-hmm. royal wedding. Yeah, uh, I'm at a one or a two on this one. Really, um, largely because of my long term personal relationship with Meghan Markle. Uh, the well, a lot who, of people don't know this, but you were in a personal relationship yeah. with her for a seven, long seven seven seasons. Yeah, seasons. Yeah, seasons of our lives. You know, that's how I think about it. You know, you have the twists and turns of your life. Did you just watch her? Did, on, was your relationship just watching her on TV? Is that what it was? I would say it was more than that. You didn't actually. I would say you didn't actually date her. A deep. Well, I didn't. No, I did not date her. No, right. no. We never. She, we never. Met? We never said we went that far. Right. Did Did you ever meet? Spent a lot of time in the same room. Right. With her actually physically present. Uh, I, well, I mean, that depends. Obviously, we're right, talking okay. now in a postmodernist right. world. How can <laughs> right. we? How can we really say? <laughs> <laughs> but no. In all seriousness, I love suits. The show she was on? Yeah. It's a USA show, mm-hmm. and it's been on for seven seasons, and I've watched every single episode, and I love it. Like, I, to the point that I actually care about these people. Like, I've, I've developed, I, wow. in my mind, deep relationships pro- issues with them. When they have wow. their problems on the show, I feel for them. Wow. I, I think about them. I, you know, I, I, I have moments so, in the day later on where I'm like, gosh, I hope that works out. Okay, uh, so I, I will hope tell you. Works out. I will tell you, mm-hmm. uh, I have that relationship with the Americans. Really? Yeah, yeah right. I do. There I have, a... re- and I'm very concerned <laughs> of what's going to happen to them as a couple, and and you know, what's going to happen with the neighbor? Is he going to find out, and how is that going to affect him? I'm really, yeah, I'm really, I'm really worried about him. It is weird. I, <laughs> I don't. When you get into a show is. like that, you really it do. Is. And so she's been on the show Suits for seven years it's on USA, and uh, it's a. She is one of the main characters. She is dating for most of the series. Was dating one of the two main lawyers in the mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. Um, and So she'll sleep with anybody. No, not was she, she, she wasn't bouncing back and forth between them. She was with the one. I know, but the at the same time, she's dating the prince? Yeah, well, this is what's amazing. I, wow, I don't, that's crazy. I, Trash. First of all, I would, I would <laughs> highly advocate uh, going back and watching Suits uh, okay. on whatever streaming service right, it's on. I think it's right. on Amazon. Uh, but uh, Please me, tell me she has a tramp stamp. I just want somebody... <laughs> oh, no, she's... Actually, I want somebody I say, in, the, in the palace with a tramp <laughs> I will say, the idea that she comes from a white trash family, if, I mean, because it kind of seems sort of true by some of the reports. Well, her brother is. Her brother yeah, um, is shocking because she's like, in the, she's the most refined uh, person in the world on the show. <laughs> on the show. Right. But, on the show. But again, uh-huh. like, you know, you can, t- like, there are certain actresses that you would maybe say are, are come from a white trash background that mm. would not be able to pull off a very refined right. role sure. and that's Roseanne what she does could not necessarily <laughs> play queen victoria make- <laughs> <laughs> roseanne is queen victoria it's a great point i now, like some more tea yeah, right <laughs> now in the show she would not be white trash at all as her father is a very successful african-american attorney mm-hmm. uh in the in, in the show I don't think that's a real dad because a real dad is having issues. No, uh, a real dad. I kind of feel bad for the dad. Yeah. Though. So there's two parts of this that I think are interesting. One, uh, the dad apparently took, got staged photos of him taken to, of him doing things preparing for the wedding. And they were staged as if they were caught by paparazzi and like him in a, in a cafe reading a book about things from England, yes, right. <laughs> like really cheesy, like right. uh, preparation for the wedding. I'm going to Great Britain. What do I do? Books, right. 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 
Uh, and the accusation is that he was going to sell them to some source that's mm-hmm. not confirmed. Uh, and then he was so embarrassed about it that he started giving excuses about why he wasn't going to go to the wedding and walk her down the aisle. So, like, this is like two days before, three days before the biggest wedding, I guess, if you care about weddings, the biggest one. And he may not walk her down the aisle. So that's been a bit of controversy. The other part of it is the white trash family. Oh, no, no, no. The heart attack. Oh, yeah, because he said initially he had a heart attack and then he no, was recovering. No, he said he was having heart right. problems yes. with talking, you know, and then he went mm-hmm. in the day before or something like that, and he had had a heart attack. So, and know, he the, has to have heart surgery, I think, on Wednesday. Is today Wednesday? So today or tomorrow, he has to have uh, uh, surgery, heart surgery. And that's why he can't go because of his health. Now, that was his report, and all that. Supposedly, he's they're backing off of that now, and now he may very yeah. well go. But now again, I don't consider him to be her real father. I consider the lawyer oh. to be her real father wow. uh, on the show. Right. So I don't know. <laughs> like I've never dealt. So here's with the him. the reason why they're saying. I guess her half sister said that uh she that dad had a heart attack because of a letter and this is this to me this is the fun part because i have such a trashy family man Mm -hmm. my family is i like the fact that we're injecting this directly into the palace that's what i love (laughs) that's what i love okay so so he writes the brother the half brother writes to prince harry now he writes he writes it just on yellow legal pad okay you know, you'd think if you're going to write a prince, you yeah. might go for something more maybe than you yellow. Maybe you open up Microsoft Word, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, maybe. type it out. He yeah. writes it. Dear Prince Harry, it's not too late. Meghan Markle is obviously not the right woman for you. As more time passes to your <laughs> royal wedding, it becomes very clear that this is the biggest mistake in royal wedding history. Now, you now see, that's saying something. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's a lot, there's a long list. Henry VIII comes to mind. (laughs) By the way, you've stopped using the accent, but I'm still hearing it. Okay. All right. (laughs) That's amazing. I'm confused why you don't see the real Megan that the whole world now sees. Megan's attempt to act this part of a princess is like a below sea average Hollywood actress, and it's getting old. (laughs) <laughs> what 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 kind of person starts out by using her own father until he's bankrupt then forgets about him in mexico living and broke over mostly all of her debts and when it's time to pay him back she forgets her own father like she never knew him my father will never recover financially from paying uh, megan's way nor emotionally from disavowing him meg is showing her true it looks like colons, but I think it says colors. Um, it's <laughs> showing her true colon. <laughs> you should, have you ever seen a colon? It's very apparent that her tiny bit of Hollywood fame has given her head, uh, has gone to her head, changing her into a jaded, shallow, conceited woman that will make a joke of you and the royal family heritage. I'm sure this guy's really concerned with royal family yeah, heritage. Look, I'm a friend. I, I am deeply. I, I've lived my life worrying about the crown. <laughs> um, not to mention, to top it all off, she doesn't invite her own family and instead invites complete strangers to a wedding. 
Who does that? Well, a princess, probably. Right, and someone who's, I don't know, has brothers like you. You know, that that's those are the people that don't right. get invited to the royal wedding. I guess this happened this would happen yeah. in all circumstances. This, this letter smells like beer. <laughs> Schlitz? Is that Schlitz? Uh so anyway, he he goes on, she's still my sister. She still is family. Whatever happens is up to her. Whether she wants to forget knowing me or the rest of her family, family comes first. Also, I would think that a royal wedding would bring a torn family closer together, but I guess we're all distant family to Meg. I mean, it's uh, and this, you know, this guy is, seems like a complete dirtbag, to be well, no, honest about it. No, he runs a legitimate drug business. Right. So he's been apparently in the uh, marijuana business for several years. Uh, the <laughs> medical <laughs> business. <laughs> he is a pharmaceutical dispensary. Right. There you go. Uh, and he uh, now he is upset that Meghan Markle would would uh, would just leave behind uh the family and and i guess exploit her fame right he would never exploit his notoriety for his own gain never never uh that's why his new pot business is launching a new product called royally grown the idea is to sell hemp-based clothing and makeup as well as markle sparkle A new line of marijuana, but the description of this is the greatest description of any product I've ever heard of in my life. Okay, now I don't know, because I don't know how to even parse it. It's it's wonderful. Markle Sparkle, a new line of marijuana that that Tyler said, quote, literally smells just what you would picture a blueberry would smell like. Well, I'll do would, that again. I wouldn't picture a smell. <laughs> no, you wouldn't picture a smell, number one. And like, we've smelled blueberries before. This is not an alien. I know. It's like what you would picture Mars to look like. Right. That would make sense. He said, it literally smells just what you would picture a blueberry would smell like. Okay, I know what blueberries smell like, so why don't you just say blueberry scented? They smell like blueberries. That's all you have to say. What do you mean? It literally, like, it's not It's not figurative here. I want you to make sure, make sure you understand. I'm saying it literally no, smells shut up. just shut like up. you would picture a blueberry well, smelling like. But what does a picture of a blueberry <laughs> smell know. like? I don't know. I've never smelled blueberries. you got to buy a lot of pot to figure it out, Are shockingly. Which <laughs> He may have been high when he wrote that. <laughs> Look at it. I am telling you right now, it literally <laughs> smells just like you picture a blueberry to smell. <laughs> that is fantastic. We should sell a lot of those. <laughs> I don't know why they're not inviting you to the royal the ro- the royal wedding. All right. Let me talk to you a little bit about gold. Um, inflation is uh, rising. Things are good uh, in the country. Um, you know, the, the, the economy is picking up. That's good. That is good. But remember, velocity of money is what causes inflation. And we have put so much money. We've printed so much money. We've then repatriated all of these dollars. And they've been sitting here in a slow economy. 
as those dollars pick up velocity and meaning as they are spent more and more and people buy more stuff and they hire more people, that's when inflation kicks in. That's when interest rates go up. That's why everybody's expecting the Fed here on what June 12th to raise interest rates. When inflation goes up, the hedge against inflation is gold. Always is. It, while your dollar is losing money, gold is going up. That's why you don't want, you know, it's, it's not an all or nothing kind of thing. This is why you take part of your money and you put it in gold. You never know. When somebody has inflated money the way we have, it never works out. It works out like Zimbabwe. It works out as my, uh, Weimar, Germany. By the way, if you call Goldline now, they're going to give you a, um, a $10 billion bill. $10 billion. It's actual legal currency in Zimbabwe. And it's 10 billion Zimbabweans, which is... Wow, because I mean, I'm not going to spend $10 billion, so I'm going to be saving money. By just calling Goldline, they're going to give me ten billion. I'm probably going to spend less than ten billion dollars. Well, so maybe, maybe not. But uh, okay. it, it is. There's nothing like <laughs> it is really out cool a ten to own, though. billion dollar bill. Yeah, it is really cool. Yeah, because that's a piece of real history. It is that shows what can happen when an economy gets out of control, and it's yeah. happened multiple times throughout the country. It's happening right now in, in Venezuela. So the Fed is trying to pull the money back in by raising interest rates, which will mean gold will go up. It's a hedge against inflation. What else happens if it gets out of control? They inflate the money to the Zimbabwean ten billion dollar bill money it becomes worthless gold becomes a fortune i don't know what's going to happen but i do know this inflation is coming the hedge against inflation is gold only people i trust gold line call them now 1866 gold line 1866 gold line read their important risk information find out if gold or silver is right for you 1866 gold line or goldline.com we're just having a quick chat. I think we have to have this on the air tomorrow. Mm. I don't know how we even got there, but alternate universes, the theory of, uh, you know, bubble universes and, and, uh, and, and many ultimate, uh, um, um, uh, you know, alternate uh, universes. Sure. And it, Stu was trying to explain to me he had a hard time understanding that because we just happened to be in the universe that, quote, makes sense. Occasionally. Okay. Like if I go on Uber Eats and yeah. I order something, the food will likely come. In this theory, all of these, there's a million other things like nuclear weapons go off when I order from Uber Eats in right. one universe. A giraffe, uh, he delivers a giraffe. Right. Hamsters uh, put on a puppet show right. for me. Like Correct. every other possibility happens. And all right. We just happen to be in the one that every time I click Uber Eats, the food comes. Okay. So the, it's, it, Uber Eats, maybe it balances out with the news okay, of well, the day. <laughs> Maybe another place. There's small government policies right. being passed. Universities actually <laughs> teach things that make sense. <laughs> Glenn Beck, Mercury.